Hey, Money Bosses, welcome back. My name is Anna Shurgunina, and I'm still your host. I've got an exciting guest joining me, uh, joining me here today. His name is Roger Wallner, and we are going to be talking about um, how and what moves do you have to make in order to build and construct a portfolio that not only helps you make money, and I'm talking about an investment portfolio. This is the stocks, the bonds, and all the good stuff that goes into it because both Roger and I are financial uh, financial planners, and we do this for a living for our clients. So, but also, you know, how do you build a portfolio that um, also helps you reach your goals? So, Roger, welcome. So excited to have you here. Oh, this is, thank you, Anna. Thank you for asking me. This is this is exciting to me as well. Awesome. So, Roger has been a financial advisor for many years, and um, still has a book of clients that he um, works with, but um, kind of took a different angle or. I guess more of a, um, a hobby of an interest because not only he runs um, a financial blog called the Chicago Financial Planner that is focused on um, investing and retirement, but he also does um, a lot of ghostwriting uh, for financial advisors. So um, Roger, I know with, with the depth of knowledge you have, I thought it was really awesome to have this conversation because I there's so much um, information out there. Um, if you just want to kind of just go on Google and search for any advice as it relates to um, investing, right? And then absolutely you know, comes to bottom line is that how do we make a decision? So why don't we um, start by maybe you sharing a little bit about your story and how you, um, you know, ended up running the blog and doing all the things that you've done so far. Uh, thanks, Anna. Um, well, um, I, I went to college in Wisconsin and I majored in finance as an undergraduate. Um, when I was graduating from college, the job market was pretty lousy and Marquette University in my hometown of Milwaukee offered me um, a full ride, including a graduate assistantship. And I said, why not? So I went and got my MBA. And then I worked in the corporate finance arena for about 14 years, but I always had an interest in investing and financial planning and all those types of things. So I kind of made the career switch in the um, late, mid to late 1990s and uh, became a financial advisor. And over in, which is, as you said, I still do, um, although I've, I've scaled my practice back a little bit, but um, I work with a number of individuals, many of them, you know, I've worked with while they were working and now that they're into retirement, I've, I've continued to work with them. I've also worked with several companies in helping them manage their 401k plans, their, their pensions. And I've worked with a couple foundations and universities to help them manage those portfolios. So I, I really, investing is really something I enjoy. And then, you know, again, the financial planning and helping people, you know, reach their financial goals, in this case, typically retirement. So I've been doing that for about uh, the last 20 odd years. And um, I started writing and maybe I, I started the blog in about 2009. And, you know, if you go back and read some of the older posts, they're, they're terrible. So don't read them. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we all start definitely... somewhere, Roger, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I've definitely improved as a writer over time. And I, I've always enjoyed writing. So I started writing for uh, U.S. News a little bit and then Investopedia and a few other sites. And and around 2015, I kind of made a little bit of a career switch. And so I've really been, my main focus has been on financial writing for about the last four or five years. I, I do, as you said, a lot of ghost writing for other financial advisors. 
I write pretty regularly for thestreet.com. Um, I've over the years done a lot of work on Investopedia and a number of other sites. I, I've ghost written a couple of eBooks and a few other things. And I really enjoy writing. And to me, it kind of bridges the gap because, or they, they kind of, maybe that's not a good way to put it. They kind of work hand in hand. For example, there was a change in social security oh, a few years ago and, and it impacted about three of my clients. And I didn't really know that much about it until I started writing articles about it. And I was really able to provide them guidance. And I'm able to take a lot of the things I do for clients and it helped me in, in a lot of the articles I write. So uh, to me, I'm just kind of a finance geek and I, I love it. Yeah, I find it similarly when I, um, it's, 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 and I've seen this too, I'm not, um, I'm probably gonna be one of the advisors who reaches out to you to ask for help for writing because <laughs> I don't like it. But I, um, I, I found a way to get my thoughts and my ideas out as yeah. the form of a podcast, right? Or I do videos. So like even this yeah. summit, right? This, this is still trying to get my ideas out there. But it's 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 interesting when you when when you come to that point, you actually um, you said something that made home with me. It's like you when you start to put your thoughts and ideas out, whether it's writing, uh, you know, podcasting or doing videos, you still learn as you go. Like if you're Absolutely. exploring a topic, and so it's it's and, and you actually not only teaching others or helping them, you're actually getting better at it yourself. So and, absolutely, you know, agree more. I know. And it's like, and, and the interesting piece is like investing is such a, it's such an interesting topic altogether. And there's so much um, that you can learn, right? And, and certainly when you, when you choose um, the subtopics that you talk about and, and, you know, what do you actually write, write about? And I know you have clients that maybe are the, the focus of what you want to focus on in, in terms of yeah. the articles. Um, so if we were to shift gears a little bit and, and, and kind of think about, um, you know, an average investor. So like how, because that's the question that everyone has. And I, and you and I know, because we've seen clients at our doors where they just like show up and everything they have is just kind of like all over. They, they, yep. they piecemeal things. They opened up a 401k because that their work offered it. They, right. they were told they had to do an IRA because it helped them um, with the tax deduction, <laughs> right? And so, and then they had a savings account and like, it's just all over the place. So I've always... Kind of like I call it the financial clutter. The financial clutter. I love that. Yeah. So it's like it's all over the place. But since they're reaching out for help, or I think just anyone really, like if we can just put all of that aside and start with the fresh, clean start. Like, so how how do we start? Um, you know, setting up this what I would say properly structured portfolio um, for you know anyone, whether they already have something in place or they're like really uh, starting from scratch, and or they maybe already closer to retirement and need to do a little cleanup. I feel like everyone on the spectrum can, uh, can learn something. Well, I think a lot of it is, you know, and again, people have a lot of, as you say, have a lot of different accounts and especially these days where people are switching jobs pretty often, they might have two or three old 401ks. Mm -hmm. And if they don't do anything with those accounts, then, you know, you have, you have those accounts, you have a couple IRAs, you have this, that, and the other thing, and it's a mess. And the problem is, it's not that people aren't intellectually capable of maybe managing their own investments. It's just, they have to look at this account and this account and this account and they forget this one. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's terrible. So I think the, the starting place is a couple of things. You start with what, what, why are you saving and investing? Is it your kid's education? Is it retirement? Is it the accumulated down payment on a home? Is it the start of whatever it is, you know, figure out what are your goals? And, you know, and then 
Um, take a look, you know, forget about what you have, but just say, okay, how would I, how would I best allocate my investments to reach those goals? And I think if you start with those two questions, you're going to be pretty far down the road. And then after that, you know, you say, you look at, you, you come up with that asset allocation, then you look, you compare that to what you have and you say, okay, um, I've got, you know, I've got, I've got a stock fund. I've got an international stock fund. I've got a bond fund. I have a savings account, you know? And so, you know, and again, there, you try try and boil it down as much as you can. So if you have a 401k, I mean, you've, you've got what your 401k offers, what it offers. It may be a good one. It may be a bad one, but you want to make the best of that. So you'll want to go in and allocate your money among, you know, there's probably several funds that they offer. You know, there's going to be a couple stock funds, some, you know, large cap, small cap, whatever, international, and allocate your money in, in a bond fund, maybe a money market fund, and allocate your money between those. And then as you look out, you know, if you have taxable investments and you have them in three different accounts, why do you have them in three different accounts? Boil it down to one account. If you have three or four IRAs, the same thing. Why do you need three or four IRAs? Try and consolidate things, and that's going to give you a better way to look at things. So in other words, if you organize your investments and you match those up with your goals and your risk tolerance, you're going to be farther along the spectrum, a lot farther along the spectrum. I, I agree with that, um, and especially because um, it's really hard to tell what's going on when you know there's just all, all of these accounts. Like that's, that's by far the first step that I work Absolutely. as well. Like, okay, let's consolidate these accounts. Why are they there? And and not to say that you only do this once. It's almost like an ongoing process because you said- it, 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 is, it is an ongoing process. You, you will change jobs, you will move, you will do other things. You'll hear about a new hot thing that's out there that you think you need to get. And so it kind of goes from there, but at least like the core foundation of what you have is, you know, is somewhere that you can not only track because I'm big on right. that. Like I'm big on tracking and making sure things are, you know, right. I, I can easily check and, and, and see what's going on. Um, yeah. But also I love what you said uh, about the goals. Like I, yeah. I love to start with that. Like we can figure out what hot investment or not so hot investment to put in your account, right? Whether it's the 401 If you want to be trendy, do it in fashion, you know, have, have, the, have the coolest car. Investments aren't trendy. Invest in what makes sense for your situation. And invest in things you understand. If you don't understand it, if somebody's putting a hard sell on you, don't just walk away, run away from that meeting or hang up the phone and block their calls or whatever the case may be. Keep it simple, use common sense and keep your expenses low and you're going to be 95% of the way down the path. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Let's talk a little bit about um, the, 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 the different types of accounts. We kind of touched on them, but I want folks to have a little bit more clarity. So we have, let's focus on the ones that everybody understands or most likely to have or would be the retirement accounts. Right, right. And so, you know, the IRAs are a basic one and you can contribute to them. You know, there's traditional IRAs, which typically, you know, depending upon your income and, and other factors, you can put in money on a pre-tax basis. Yeah, which means you know it's not taxable the year you put you get a deduction there. It grows tax deferred until you take it out in retirement, and ideally you wait until you're at least 59 and a half, and that way it's it's taxed, but there's no penalties. There's a Roth IRA in which you know you put the money in after tax, but it grows tax free, and if you meet certain requirements, you take the money out. There's no taxes when you take the money out, and that can be 
very advantageous. There's a 401k. Most 401ks, excuse me, are traditional accounts where you put the money in pre-tax and just like I described with the IRA, but more and more companies are offering Roth 401k, you know, uh, they call them designated Roth accounts within the 401k. So a 401k or, or depending upon the type of employer you have, there might be a 403b or a 457 account. Those are, those are versions of, they're like a 401k account, but there, there's some differences and they're typically in the nonprofit or the public sector world. Um, they're a dying breed, but some people may have pensions. A pension is where the employer you know, contributes to your account and it's typically based on you know, your, your longevity with the company and your earnings. Um, typically you have to be with the company for a five-year period to earn a pension. Um, and, and a pension is something that many people can forget about or, or just kind of, you know, they leave jobs and they're there. Uh, a couple of years ago, my wife was contacted by, from an old company she worked for about 10 years ago and she still had a pension balance. In our case, we decided to roll, it, it wasn't, the benefit would have been like nothing on a monthly basis. So we just rolled the lump sum into her, into her current uh, um, 401k with her employer. Yeah, no, those are the, those are the, that's exactly why we started with this conversation. It's like, yeah. let's consolidate. Let's kind of have a short list of, of things because you, for that's the exact reason you forget. And like, yeah. I, 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 I've had clients who had a hard time tracking where their accounts were. Like, like it was, it, anyway, it's, it's all over, all over the map for, for folks. But, and so with these retirement accounts, I think it, it's probably safe to say that um, at least the most general advice would be to focus on putting as much money as possible because retirement is a huge goal for all of us, right? Exactly. And it's the biggest one that we all have to work so hard for. So, exactly. um, and each of these accounts have different uh, uh, contribution limits and it right. changes every year. Like those are the things that I stop memorizing. I just Google. <laughs> because, exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> it goes, it's just like every year it's, it's something different. But if anything... And for most people uh, you know, out here on the summit listening, you most likely have a retirement plan in the form of a 401k or uh, Roger mentioned four, four, five, seven uh, or four, four, three Bs, um, particularly in the 401k, if you're thinking about, okay, well, should I max out my contributions? Um, maybe start with at least putting as much money as it will allow you to get a match. Like if exactly. anything, right? Yeah, because if you, if you get, if they match, you know, um, 50, percent on the first six percent so you know if you put in six percent they give you three percent that's free money i mean you know it doesn't get any better than that even yeah. if it's a lousy plan it's still free money exactly exactly and we'll talk a little bit uh, later uh, in this conversation too about the, the fees that associate with with the investments right but like you said yeah. at least get the free money so all right so we've got the retirement accounts down hope so hopefully um, everyone listening here should have at least one, right? And if you are yep. self-employed, there's still options as well. So don't- And remember, if you leave your company, excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yes, if you so. leave your company, do something with your 401k. Whether you leave it with the company, you roll it over to your new company's 401k plan if they allow you to, or roll it into an IRA. Make an affirmative decision. Don't just let it sit there. Yeah, totally. No, those are great steps for sure. Um, and so if we got the retirement accounts, um, hopefully everybody has at least one, what would be the next type of accounts? I know we have the savings, right? And yeah. I try to focus on 
emergency reserves, but what are the types of accounts people should consider? Well, the other one, it would be a taxable, like a brokerage account, a taxable investment account. You can, you can buy stocks, you can buy bonds, you can buy mutual funds, ETFs, whatever it is you want to invest in. And, you know, you can open those up at, at you know, Fidelity or Schwab or Vanguard, or, or I would say TD Ameritrade, but they're part of Schwab now. So, um, or, or any number of places. And again, you're investing on a taxable basis. So when you, you know, there'll be gains or losses, which could have tax consequences on these investments when you sell them. But, and, you know, if there's distributions from like a mutual fund or an ETF, there could be tax uh, account, taxable consequences, I should say. But that's another way to invest. Yeah. And I, I and that's and a very I, common way to invest. Right. Most people do start out there as well. And I like the fact that you clarified, like, why are they called taxable? And a lot of clients yeah. say, well, I'm paying taxes. You're paying taxes on everything. So anytime yes. you have a profit, you're going to pay taxes, the bottom line. Like, that's just how it exactly. goes <laughs> in our society. Yes, we have a little ways away with um, the retirement accounts, such as. You know, 401ks or IRAs that are deferring, allowing us to defer, but at some point we're going to pay taxes. So it's just exactly. understanding what type of tax you pay. It's either ordinary income tax rates, right, or capital gains. So, um, right. That's that's how those those are different. So um, I like the I like that we've gone over the, the the types of accounts. So now some people would like listening to this would be like, okay, I think it makes sense. I think I can get into this. Still feel a little overwhelmed. Like, what would be what would be the next step for them to consider? I, you know, I automatically think, okay, well, there, there's a group of folks who could do it on their own. Like we call mm -hmm. them do-it-yourself investors, right? They sit, can set right. up an account at any of these custodians you mentioned. Custodians are institutions, financial institutions that hold your money, right? Hold your accounts. Um, Therefore, you know, may defer technology, maybe my generation, younger, older, or more traditional. <laughs> and then there are folks who would be reaching out to someone like you, Roger, where they would need a professional ma professional management. So let's kind of just talk through each of these options so that folks can understand what uh, what is out there um, in, in today's world. Okay, I mean, there, there's a lot of options. Again, do it yourself for those who, who read up on this type of stuff and are knowledgeable and enjoy it. That's a perfectly valid way to do it. Um, there are any there are financial advisors who work on a number of different um, types of uh, arrangements. Um, there's a you know there's I and I'm not 100 sure how your firm even works, but I know there's a lot of advisors who will work on a on a monthly retainer, which either is a flat fee or they may work hourly you know, who, who are, who are well-suited for people who are starting out. And I think that's a great thing to do. They may or may not do the investing, but they can certainly help guide you on a path and, and get you set up. Um, I'm very biased, but I think everybody should look at a fee only uh, financial advisor who acts as a fiduciary. A fiduciary means that they have to act in your best interest, not in their best interest. Um, I'm not going to say bad things about anybody, but I, I, I think people that try to sell you investments, um, some are, are very diligent and want to do well for people. Others want to sell you more things so they make more money. Um, and I'll leave it at that. But I think you should go with a fee-only financial advisor whose only compensation is based on the fees that you pay them, whether those are hourly, whether they're some sort of flat retainer fee, or whether there are a percentage of the money that they 
that uh, they help you invest. Um, to me, that's extremely important. So that said, um, like I say, there are, there are advisors who work on a, on a monthly retainer or an hourly basis. And they, that may, you know, maybe you need ongoing help. Maybe you just need to talk to somebody on a periodic basis. Um, there are advisors who work with people on an ongoing basis. Um, again, as you said, I have a small practice and, and almost all of my clients, I just build up a quarterly fee um, for the work I do with them. I used to, I used to work with them based on a percentage of the money I invested for them, but I've been working with most of them so long, I pretty much know what's required. So we just, I just made it and I thought it was easier and fairer to do a flat monthly fee. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, again, if you're picking an advisor, you want to talk to that person and you want to know things like, do they work with people like you? Do they have experience working with people in your situation? Whatever that may be. Um, there are some advisors who deal with people in certain professions. There are some advisors who, you know, I mean, all my clients are into retirement, for example. Um, there are other people who maybe deal with young professionals in their 30s and 40s. So you really want to find somebody who can help you not only that knows what they're doing, you know, because there's a lot of advisors across a lot of different niches that are very knowledgeable, but you want to work with somebody who understands your situation as work with people in your situation and can, can really focus on helping you, you know, reach your goals. Yeah. And I, and it's, there's actually a reason why I thought it would be good for, for you to uh, share your knowledge and wisdom, even though your clients are, you know, much further along on their spectrum in terms of, you know, entering retirement or in well into the retirement it's these things you do along the way right yep, yep. to get there so exactly. um i i thanks so much for clarifying like this do-it-yourself option because again i think in today's world technology allows us to do a lot of stuff but you Absolutely. still want to have somebody kind of just looking over your shoulder and making sure you're not making a mistake and that's really a great spot to um, to retain an advisor who can either give you one-time consultations or as Roger mentioned, you can have more on an ongoing relationship because um, like one of the options, other options that's been become really popular in our industry, Roger, and you and I see this a lot, they're called robo-advisors, right? That's exactly, exactly. More technology-based kind of offering still for the do-it-yourself investor, right? But you've got, um, you know, a little bit more help behind the scenes but again in, in the format where you may not necessarily have a real person giving you advice it's an algorithm or it's a program where it's exactly. <laughs> spitting out answers based on you know the quest or giving you results based on the questions that you answered so um i think for some people it might be the right option absolutely and i think i think Once it again, is a good we option mentioned this already. go ahead yep and, and one thing else, you know, in the robo advisors have even evolved a little bit too, because many of them offer kind of a quasi, you know, quasi robo experience. Um, Betterment, you know, I know has, you know, an option where you can work with a financial advisor, a human financial advisor. Vanguard has a service that is kind of a quasi robo service where it involves, an you know, working with an advisor, but a lot of it's online. Uh, I know Wealthfront is, is a big name in this uh, in this area. I don't know that much about their service. Uh, Schwab has has something like that. So there's a, there's a, even within the robo advisor world, so to speak, there's a lot of different options. And the thing I that I really want to stress, whether you're looking at a robo advisor 
a regular human advisor, for lack of a better term, is you have there's no there's no easy path. You have to ask questions, and you have to you have to be comfortable asking blunt questions sometimes because this is your financial future, and you need to really understand who's going to be investing your money, um, what they're going to be charging you, what their expertise is, and is that something you're comfortable with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I think, and I wanted to clarify, just, we started using this term robo-advisors and some people may not understand. I, I know it's a, like a lingo, there's a lot of lingo in our, in our much. I know, in our industry, but it's basically referring to an advisor slash robot, right? So there's a cute name for robo-advisors, but just meaning, it just means that there's more use of technology and, you know, the, the, the applications behind the scenes than there's people, yes. but as we know, people still kind of run the world. So we're not entirely in the, <laughs> in the future just yet, <laughs> but um, we're getting there. Like something, something else that probably is worth mentioning. So it's almost like you have these options when you're looking at, okay, I, I want to start, I want to have a portfolio that makes sense. I want to have a portfolio that makes money because that's always the goal, right? Like you, and we tend Absolutely. to kind of come to this point from all different angles but you know you can start on your own you can maybe start using semi you know quasi kind of a setup where you have more technology and then maybe an advisor right or you can go with a full route and hire someone so let's talk a little bit about like the what exists in this space when you're like okay i don't want to make any decisions on it i'm just gonna hand it over and then that particular advisor or, or their firm will do it for me well, that, in that case, you're giving the advisor what they call full discretion. Um, and that may or may not be a good idea because I still think that even if you're going to take the advice of an advisor, um, you should be involved in the conversation. And in fact, I suggest, I mean, people, people have their own preferences. I suggest that you require the advisor to tell you every time they're gonna make a trade. That's, that's my personal opinion. That's the way I've always done it. I'm not saying it's right for everybody, but um, you know, if it's my money, I want to know. I don't want somebody trading willy nilly on my account. Not that not that an advisor is going to, or they're going to do anything wrong or nefarious or anything like that. But um, it's your money, and you should be involved in it. I, um, you know, especially and and again, that's a good way for you to learn too, because it's not. You know, I, I think investors sometimes can be shy because they're intimidated by the stuff. But if an advisor is suggesting something to you, ask them why. Not, not in a confrontational way, but ask them why. Ask them why they, they think this is the best route to go. And then listen to what they have to say. And that's a great, and doing that over the years will be a great way for you to, to get your own knowledge and experience in investing. It's not that you necessarily, not that the goal is that you want to do it yourself, but you want to be a knowledgeable investor in working with your advisor as a partner. Yeah, it certainly should be even in these in these kinds of arrangements where you kind of I don't you know hand it over to somebody you still should be definitely involved and and I know that 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 clients do get a little um, overwhelmed with you know with all of this is going on but at least even what I do with clients you know at least once and I'm not managing anyone's accounts um, on the active basis. We're not in it. We, we're a financial planning firm. So right. but still, still do, you know, portfolio checkups and updates where, you know, we at least see a client once a year, right. To take a look right. at everything is right. going on and here's the picture. So having ongoing conversations, I think is, is really crucial. Um, 
So I, I'd like to maybe shift gears a little bit and, and with everything that we kind of talked about, what are some of the first steps or you know, one should take in, in terms of um, you know, making these suggestions we, we just made useful to them? You, you broke up there a little bit. I'm sorry, can you? Yes, internet, internet, great, great internet connection today. <laughs> okay, I'll repeat the question. Um, so we just discussed a couple of things so far um, in our conversation. What are some of the first or next steps someone can take and, and start implementing what we recommended? Well, I think there's a couple things. I think the first thing is to get their own stuff organized. In other words, hey, you know, get, make sure you have the latest account statements, either online or however you have them. And make sure you know everything you're dealing with. I mean, everything that you're going to want help with. Um, and then um, think through, you know, how you might be comfortable working with an advisor. You know, again, if it's a, a robo-advisor, is a perfectly good uh, solution for somebody. Um, do you want somebody to maybe give you a detailed financial plan or blueprint? You know, find somebody there. And there, you know, there's any number of, places, you know, um, uh, um, you know, just to mention a few, you know, you can go to NAPFA, N-A-P-F-A, which is the largest organization of fee-only advisors. Um, and they typically will have something, you know, for someone in your area, or if you don't care if they're in your area, that's fine too. Um, there is the uh, XY Planning Network, which is tend to be, and I'm, now are you a member of XY? I am. Mm-hmm. You know? Both yeah, it tends to be, tends to be younger advisors, I believe. Yeah. Yes, yes. They're, it's not even younger advisors, it's advisors who focus on maybe working with younger clients. Well said, yes. And then yes. again, you guys are fee only as well. I think yeah. that's a great situation. And and talk to a few people and, and you know, get comfortable with them. Um, you know, you can go with referrals, um, but you want to, you know, I mean, that's a good way to do it, I, you know, whether it's friends, but someone who's your a good advisor for your friend may not be a good advisor for you. You have to keep that in mind. Yeah, it's so. it's hard for sure. And having to be on this side of the table, right, a screen yeah. <laughs> as we're in the virtual world, um, it's certainly, and I tell even, you know, prospects who reach out to us like, yeah, you should certainly check out a few other advisors and see who you like, who you trust, yeah. who you think is going to do a good, you know, good work for you because it's a relationship and that's exactly. That's that's what I think uh, folks need to really understand. Yes, we will give you all the advice you need and all the, the, the ways to structure the portfolio. And, and however you engage, whether you engage with somebody on the small project, you have a, you know more of the technology involved kind of a platform, a solution, right. or you have a, uh, you know, a, a relationship with an advisor. But it really comes down to, are you comfortable with them? Are you going to execute right along the way with what they're telling exactly. you? If you're not if you're not going to do what they tell you to do, then you have the right. You either shouldn't have an advisor, or you have the wrong advisor because that might mean that you don't feel confident in them, yeah. and that's that's a big red flag. And you know you may like the person, but if you don't follow their suggestions, maybe they're not the right advisor for you. Yeah, no, I I like that. Um, well, so for the time being, for this for this interview, and for everyone who's still watching and would love to hear us talk a little <laughs> bit more about these three options. Uh, we're going to head over to our uh, deep dive session. So you need to, if you haven't already, and it's your friendly reminder, upgrade uh, to all access pass. Um, so you can uh, continue watching our conversation. But Roger, thank you so much 
uh, for your time today, how um, folks can connect with you? Um, well, you can check out my blog, uh, the, finan the Chicago Financial Planner. The URL is thechicagofinancialplanner.com. And um, if you're interested, there is a button uh, somewhere on there where you can subscribe to updates. And if you'd like to get in contact with me, there's a contact button there, which will lead to a couple of email addresses. And if you have questions, I'm certainly glad to try and answer them. Um, I'm on Twitter at rwolner, R-W-O-H-L-N-E-R. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So those are probably the best ways to find me. Yeah, it's totally awesome. And we'll include these links under the video too. So folks can can check out your profiles. Yes, do do check out um, Roger's blog because there's a wealth of information. And especially, I, you know, I wanted to highlight this because um, you started in two, 2009. So it was after the last downturn, right? And so yes, it's like yes. you've been writing for quite some time. So we're just <laughs> still someone going through 2020, let's call it a 2020. <laughs> a 20, a year this 20. is a year that is, I mean, we've had, we've had highs, we've had lows, we've had new highs. It's, it's incredible. Yes, I know. So there's so many names for 2020, but we're still going through yes. it. So, um, and it's, it's fun because you're still continuing to write on this topic. So thank you so much again for your time, everyone. We'll see you in a deep dive session. Bye for now. Thank you.